We're talking with top industry executives and changemakers. Be inspired, connect, and learn. Here are your hosts, Mark Pfeffer and William Tincup. Hi, this is Mark Pfeffer. I'm the executive editor of the HCM Technology Report, and I'm here with David Lloyd of Ceridian. He's actually the chief data officer of Ceridian. And we connected a little bit at Ceridian Insights a few weeks ago and had such a good time talking with each other where we're at it again. Uh, David oversees Ceridian's data strategy and the actual work that goes into building their analytics, intelligence, and prediction solutions. That includes products that help Ceridian's customers leverage that data in a way that can benefit their business. David, thanks for taking the time to talk. It's great to see you again. Yes, Mark, it is. I think I've finally recovered from uh, the uh, four or five days in Vegas, but it took a while. <laughs> that brings me right to my first question, which is, what, what did you think of Insights? I mean, it seemed like a pretty good show from where I sat. Uh, we had a great time. It was my first time at Insights. Um, I've been fortunate enough to do events we did last year called our World Tour in New York and London, which was a great experience. But Insights was that really at scale. And I think from that standpoint, it was both exhilarating to talk to that many customers, that many prospects in one place, but also just exhausting. I know our team alone on the data side did I think we had 11 or 12 presentations, unique ones, throughout those couple of days with our customers. So a lot of energy went into that, but it was quite exciting. Were there any particular themes or, or new products or anything like that that really got your attention? I think when I look at the organization as a whole from a Ceridian perspective, what I was excited by is you see things like our benefits intelligence and how we really use data effectively to help customers, employees specifically, make much better decisions as it relates to their benefit selections, because that has such a significant impact on their families uh, over the course of the year. And you only have really one time to make it right during that year. So I think that's one example. Really great work being done on our career intelligence side when you look at the use of skills ontologies and how those eventually get utilized from a data point of view to not only help individuals plan where their career can take them, almost that roadmap because we understand the skills, but it's almost like a silent partner for them at the same time because those skills now are in a place where when new roles come up within a company, you can internally source the best possible people potentially for those roles. And you can use that intelligence also externally when looking for candidates as well. So I think different aspects like that are very, very exciting. And then, you know, for me, it's the overall use of data. And I know that within our team, we talked about a brand new analytic view coming out soon that is really focused on work energy and burnout. And so those kind of uses of data to drive intelligence where you have a you know, ability to deliver that back to a customer to make the best possible decisions, to me, that's, that's really exciting. What did you think of some of the smaller companies that were showing you know, their technology, their products? It wasn't quite like the um, startup corner of HR tech. There were some pretty interesting companies in there. There were. I think what's beautiful about any ecosystem, and ours is one where I think we've just done a great job of partnering with external organizations and companies, 
is that I love the opportunity to work with these younger companies that are really going after solving a, a particular problem for a customer, where the bigger environment of Ceridian and our broad data can really help bring so much to bear in solving them. So I love it because we create this ecosystem then for these smaller, more nimble companies in different ways to be able to actually leverage Ceridian platform to be able to not only add intelligence and new thinking to what we're doing, but at the same time, get a benefit of being able to, where they're allowed to utilize that data to improve the intelligence of their solutions. So I think it's very exciting. And you see that a lot at really what I would call organizations that are entrepreneurial in their basis, like Ceridian is, but at the same time, they understand that they're becoming more of a platform or a foundation. So that's a great symbiotic relationship in many ways. What do you think is the main dynamic? Do these new companies push Ceridian into new territory or does Ceridian pull them into new territory? I think it can actually be a bit of both. I always like to think that the best of breed companies coming out or the entrepreneurial ones, you know, it's easy to look and solve a particular part of a problem and really dig into that. It's much harder to do that at scale when we talk about the whole nature of our global platform. That's very difficult to do. So I think that's where both get the benefits from one another, to be blunt. When I think about it that way, what always attracted me to solving certain problems in the startup companies that I built, it was all about our ability to be hyper-focused because our access to capital, our access to the right resources, we had to be really focused on the problem we were solving. At Ceridian size, obviously, we have the ability to look at many different problem areas, but it's great to have that relationship on both sides. I think it pushes us, it pushes our thinking around how to most effectively use data and I think at the same time, it pushes our partner companies like that to really make sure that they're solving the right types of problems at scale and give them somewhat of a, a foundation or a platform to do that for. Just thinking about the volume of data, for example, that Ceridian is entrusted with by our customers. Well, you know, you've got so much data. can't really imagine how much data you, you have. How do you use it? I mean, you're not just letting it sit in databases for your customers come and access when they need it, right? Well, some of it is there for our customers to definitely selectively pull into their data lake environment. But no, well, we, Russ never sleeps, Mark, I guess, if we can look at a, an old reference to a Neil Young album. First of all, you have to be really cognizant that there's a, a very important data governance side. And there's a very poor, important AI intelligence ethics side to it. So you have to keep those things firmly in mind first, which is probably one of the benefits of being a large organization like we are with um, the breadth of data that we actually have. So we have this really important relationship for our customer to make sure we're doing the right things the right way for them to get the maximum benefit out of that data. That's where the startups can be a little looser. We can't be. We have to be really careful about the compliance, security, and ethical use of data. But where I'm excited by it is that, and I'll even go back to what we were talking about um, at the very beginning of the show, which is we've been able to look at this breadth of data that you talk about, which is probably some of the richest data I've seen across a company, and bring that together to do calculations like an organization's burnout. 
And that doesn't come from just understanding one or two aspects of a customer's data. That comes from looking at salary changes, performance ratings, the efficacy range of a person when they're doing a survey. Um, it's looking at all these different capabilities within our platform to bring this data together to actually help organizations predict what's going to happen next. And that to me is very, very exciting. We have this concept in our strategy of inform, predict, and act. And then form is critical. So that's all about how we get to your point earlier, that data out of the system into a business intelligence format for our customers to use to answer their own questions and be informed about what's happening. Then there's the predictive part of that where we can help drive our customers through looking at intelligent nudges that tells them when to look at data, that can be doing time series analysis of changes in their data over time for the history of the organization. And then eventually that leads to the act part, which is once we know what data to look at and we can predict what's happening, how can we then better inform our customers on the act part of that strategy of where to begin looking to uh, you know, solve problems? And to me, that's, that's really about artificial intelligence. No, that's about augmented intelligence. That's where we're augmenting the professionals in those organizations that also bring an incredible skill set to bear to really support the decision making. So I think that's the exciting thing about that data and how it can be used. You know, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned Neil Young. I think that for our younger listeners, we should say he was a very well-known guitarist in the world of rock. But anyway. <laughs> good one, good one. <laughs> so you might have touched a little bit on this, but going back to data, how do you see your use of it evolving? Is that something you can predict or have a sense of now? I think uh, I can tell you where some of the things we're looking at that I think really impact uh, customer value. And I think that's how we always focus on it. Data is data. If you can bring it together in, in unique ways that help customer decision-making, I think that's critical or to understand, I'll use another euphemism from Mr. Wayne Gretzky, uh, where the puck's going to be, not where the puck is, to use my Canadian and put my Canadian hat on. So when we look at some of the things that we're looking at in a forward-thinking point of view, it's Imagine that I'm an organization and I have a turnover rate that we've said internally that's going to be 12%. And everyone in the organization is held to that kind of scorecard metric. Now imagine that not only can I see how that metric reflects within my organization, but I can also begin to see how best in class is actually performing in my organization. So I may be running at 10%, but let's say there's a group similar size that's running at 4%. That benchmarking kind of capability internally to me is very exciting because I can couple that and learn from what's happening in another part of the organization to perhaps better my result. So benchmarking is one area that, although not out on the fringe, it's, it's the way that you leverage data effectively internally. And I'm a very big believer in the drive of using data for what we would call anomaly detection, which is don't tell me what's normally happening in my payroll that's fine and I don't care about. Tell me the things that are standing out. So when I'm doing a massive payroll, I'm looking at the exceptions, not the rules, so that I'm focusing my professional expertise on those kind of problems that I alone need to make the most sense of. So using data, especially from a learning point of view like that, to actually look at and be able to understand what's not 
functioning properly, to me, is really critical in the efficiency of an organization. And I think the last thing that uh, I find very interesting personally is we've had this massive focus on employee user experience over the past number of years, and it is critical. But one of the things as a leader myself that I've really found challenging is what I would call the leadership IQ or that leadership intelligence. How do we help leaders be better, more empathetic leaders so that we can drive our teams more successfully? And we've been spending some initial time as well looking at how we can begin to infuse a leader with that data so that if I'm having a one-on-one with you, Mark, right now, that we're actually having a great conversation. I know what's happening within Mark's life. I'll call it Mark's baseball card by flipping him over and saying, wow, you know, Mark hasn't been on vacation in at least four months. And his, his burnout rate looks a little high. He might be a bit of a flight risk because of that. And, you know, his last performance rating was outstanding. It allows me to be more empathetic and think, Mark, you know, You've been really doing a great job. Why don't you look at taking some time for a week off by yourself and recharging your batteries? It, it allows me to have a different conversation that way. And I don't think we've focused enough on leaders yet in terms of the leader experience to really help in this new world of work. That's really interesting because, you know, we talk so much about employee experience and candidate experience. And I really haven't heard anybody talk about the leadership experience. That's good. We'd like to hear that we're uh, pushing on things that may not be uh, necessarily looked at by others. Even our burnout is an example of that. We are way ahead of the pack in terms of our deep analysis and research that we did around that. I think that's part of what Ceridian's benefit is, to your earlier point about being this larger HCM organization, Mark, is that we have the ability and the purvey to see across all of this data and actually recognize how we can bring the force of all of that together to kind of drive that global people platform that we're so focused on. A topic that was getting a lot of discussion was pay on demand, earned wage access. I think you Mm -hmm. introduced it to the UK recently. And, you know, it sounds from talking to people like Ceridian has a lot of plans and and sees a lot of uh, running room there. Can you talk about that? Seth's probably the best person who heads up our overall wallet uh, area to talk to, but I can talk to it by the stories I've heard some of our customers tell. I was walking and talking with one of our customers who I was in New York with a while ago, and the story she told about an individual employee, I believe it was one of their janitorial staff, ability to put food on the table literally that night because he had the on-demand egg was truly touching. I think what I love about wallet and on-demand pay that way is that it truly recognizes that it's my pay, I earn it. I think that's the first thing it recognizes. But I think it helps anybody who really needs to manage themselves that way feel like they're in control. I can't imagine having to have to go for a payday loan to bridge a week or other things of that nature, which are just you know, hideous interest rates there. And they're so challenging for individuals where so many people live paycheck to paycheck. It's one of those unique opportunities where we've truly built a product that not only has an incredible impact on a person's well-being, but actually has an 
incredible impact on the company at the same time. We know that a lot of our uh, customers that are using it now have much lower attrition rates. It's actually an attractive from a recruiting point of view because people can say, hey, that's a great benefit uh, that I get working with that organization. So I think it has so many different impacts on both the organization that is forward-thinking enough to deploy it and their employees who are fortunate enough to be able to take advantage of that and really have much more control over their lives because they can decide when they get paid. It feels like this is an area that's going to sprint. You know, it's been mm-hmm. slowly but steadily growing for the last 10 years. But now pay-on-demand seems to be in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Could 2023 be the year of pay-on-demand? I think it's possible. I think some of the presentations that David Ossip was doing, who is our co-CEO, were actually around the whole area of a contingent labor marketplace. And I think that's where you see an interesting inflection point as well, right? Because there are many more people now that are in contingent labor. And you have individuals within companies that may be hourly. But the instance of wallet and used for real-time streaming pay resolves all of those different situations. So whether you're a driver that gets paid at the end of every shift and you take your your pay in that way, or whether you're an hourly employee that just finished your shift and you choose to actually take a certain percentage of that into your wallet to use, or you're a salaried employee who may have just seen that next new new thing you want to buy, those new uh, sneakers, and you want to actually pull down a bit of uh, cash out of your salary earning so far to do that. Every person is enabled on that kind of platform. So whether 2023 is the breakthrough year, I think it's going to be an interesting year as we're seeing from a macroeconomic point of view. But any time that you can put people's pay that they've earned in their hands to use as they see, I think is a great win for the organizations that do it. Okay, now with that said, uh, we're recording this just before New Year's, a few Mm -hmm. weeks before New Year's. So looking ahead to 2023, what else do you see driving the HR tech world what other things are companies going to be doing with data? In other words, like what's the big deal for 2023? Big deal. I know for Ceridian, it's really that continued enablement of the use of data across the platform. So it's not just about in payroll or in benefits or in compensation or in performance. One of the most unique things that I excites me about our platform is that we have one data model that transcends all of the core areas of a business, uh, whether it's any of the ones I just listed or recruiting, career intelligence, and all these other areas. The power of bringing that data together from a predictive point of view is really exciting to me, but simply the ability for an organization to look across that great breadth of data to make business decisions in what is going to be potentially a very unknown economy over the next 12 months is critical. And so I'm always going to look at data from a machine learning, augmented intelligence perspective and say, how can we help our customers use this to make better decisions? But I think it's those kind of decision-making that we enable across the platform to me that's most exciting. It's not piecemeal. And that, we just further unlock that ability for our customers and you're not going to drive with blinders on. And you're not going to drive looking in the rearview mirror when you 
should be staring outside the uh, windshield when you're trying to go at speed. David, it's great to see you again. Hope we can talk again soon. That's great, Mark. I look forward to it. And this is Mark Pfeffer, Executive Editor of the HCM Technology Report, here with David Lloyd. Thank you for listening. Find out more at www.ceridian.com forward slash insights.